Welcome to the Veterinary Pulse podcast. My name is Jordan Benchia. I'm the executive director of the VIN Foundation. Veterinary Pulse is the heartbeat of the profession. Join us as we talk with veterinary colleagues about critical topics from student debt to mental health and share stories. Stories connect us as humans, as animals, as a veterinary community. This podcast is made possible through individual donors like yourself and our technology partnership with VIN, the Veterinary Information Network. Thank you for being here. This episode, we're having a conversation with Drip.Vet co-founder, Dr. Lance Rosa, and VIN Foundation board member and student debt expert, Dr. Tony Bartels. Join us as we discuss COVID student loan repayment strategies, specifically for veterinary students. Please check the episode notes for guest bios, links, and information mentioned. Thank you for listening. Welcome, Dr. Lance Rosa and Dr. Tony Bartels. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks, Jordan. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks, Jordan. Thanks for having us. Let's just dive right in. Where are things currently in regards to veterinary student loans for those still right now in veterinary school? Yeah, so the the current um, the current status of of uh, federal student loans is that uh, for those who are borrowing, so veterinary students, the the interest rates have essentially been uh, turned off, right? So there's a interest waiver that's been in place since March 13th of 2020. Um, that was uh, formally put into law through the CARES Act. Uh, that expired at the end of September. Uh, but then through various presidential actions uh, that has now been extended uh, through January 31st of 2021. So there will be no interest accruing on federal or federally held student loans. So the predominant loans that uh, that most students use to fund their veterinary education through at least the end of January 2021. And Tony, I'll add in there that all of that was supposed to take place automatically, but I still recommend that students go in and actually check that their interest was turned off, that it should be representing zero when they do go to studentaid.gov. I haven't had any indication that it wasn't turned off automatically, but it's always good to double check. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and no action is is needed to be taken by by any students unless you find that that for some reason your interest rates are are not zero. Now we do see that there are some there there can be some confusion depending on the loan types you have. So if you have some older student loan types, uh, specifically loans that you may have taken for higher education uh, before July of 2010, some of those student loans, although they are federal student loans, if they're not held by the Department of Education, then those interest rates would not be zero. So I have some of those. So um, it does depend on when you started borrowing as to whether or not they actually qualify for the zero um, percent interest waiver that is currently in place. And if they go on and they see that they are being charged interest, what should they do? Yeah, so they should reach out to their loan servicer and and their loan servicer should be listed in their um, in studentaid.gov along with their the, lo- the loans that they have and whether or not the interest rates are, are set to zero um, and reach out to their loan servicer and, and ask them why they would be accruing interest when they're due to be in this interest waiver. If I'm a student in veterinary school right now and I'm about to graduate in 2021, this seems like a lot to handle along with trying to find a job or an internship. 
it seems like a lot on my plate if I'm a veterinary student right now. Yeah, I would I would kind of look at it more as as a as a really um, a, a huge benefit, right? I mean, this this kind of we, we're now almost in a to a throwback period where student loans used to be subsidized, right? Where you used to not accrue interest during school. And, and those days have since passed us. Uh, we are now looking at nearly a year of uh, interest-free student loans for, for graduate school, for, for a veterinary program, right? So the many students, particularly those third and fourth year students who, who tend to have, you know, the higher of the student loan balances at this point in their, in their uh, education, um, they're really benefiting from this, right? So you're, you're really graduating with much less student debt than you otherwise would have if this interest waiver was not in effect. So um, if anything, I would, you know, take some relief in that part of it that, that you're going to have less student loans that you'll have to manage than you otherwise would have um, if the interest waiver was not in effect. That's a good point, right? This is sort of a gift to the veterinary students currently for sure. Yeah. What do veterinary students need to know right now if they have student loans? Yeah, I would, I would just reemphasize that. I think that they, they should really uh, take, a, take a deep breath, right? I think that uh, for most students, um, th this is a huge benefit, um, regardless of the amount that you borrow. But the more that you have, the more you're benefiting from this, this interest waiver. I do think it's still really important to review your financial aid awards, um, line that up with the budget, how much is it actually costing you to live uh, while you're obtaining your veterinary education. And those things have also changed. The pandemic has kind of thrown that, thrown that up in the air. And if you end up with more student loans than you actually need, uh, you may want to consider returning those. Or we've actually done some analyses for, for certain students this semester where you can use some of that interest-free student loan money to actually pay off some of the higher interest rate loans that you may already have or credit card debt or other things that that may be costing you money now right but you really have to have a budget and know what your financial need is to know if you can actually make some of those types of moves so if you if a veterinary student is thinking oh my gosh i don't know what's going to happen covid so much uncertainty right now in the job market would this be a time that you suggest, as they are paying zero interest, that they borrow more than because they might be concerned about that? I would I would say that that's pretty risky, right? I think that um, you know the the reality is the interest rates will get turned on at some point here. Um, they're not going to be zero forever, so you have to be a little bit careful. But it does present a unique opportunity to potentially pay off some higher interest rate either student debt or credit card debt or medical debt, other types of loans that you may have acquired along the way here um, and taking advantage of some of this, this money that's not charging you any interest, at least through the end of, of January and potentially, potentially beyond. But that does require some pretty in-depth numerical analysis, right? I, I, I find that, I, and that comes up a lot. I, you know, a lot of students are are asking, well, what, you know, what should I do with this? I mean, I feel like I've got, you know, literally free money, but it's it's not going to be free forever, right? And you can but you can use it potentially to to improve your overall finances in very specific ways. But again, that requires some some pretty deep dives in terms of, you know, what is your situation? What does your budget look like? Uh, what are the other types of of debt you have? And it really it comes down to can you use that money to potentially hit the principal on uh, higher cost debt. And if, and if you can't do that, then it really doesn't usually improve your, 
your situation, right? So this is that's why it's so important to to dive into those details and, and specifics of your circumstance to see if using that money that you might have in excess of, of what you need now um, might be might be helpful. Tony, to follow up on that or to add to that, my perception of this is it really highlights the need for veterinary students to have a plan and really understand their finances to go out and, and look at their finances, look at their student loans, look at their job potentials, and really make those nuanced decisions for themselves. Or if they if they don't, reach out to someone that does, that can help them make those decisions. But the things that Tony says to weigh, how much money do you currently need to live on? What does your current budget say? And then secondly, what are the, the opportunities out there that the student loans, that the CARES Act has given us? If you can understand all of those things and then understand whether or not that becomes beneficial to you, there are some incredible opportunities right now. But unfortunately, there's not stock advice that we can give to every single student because everyone's financial situation is a little bit different and a little bit nuanced. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So having, having a plan is really the first the first step, right? And, and that really requires you to, to dive into your situation, right? Use this as the the excuse that if you haven't been building a budget previously, um, do so, right? Because that's the only way you're going to know if you actually have the ability to take some money that you think you have in excess and, and use it in other ways. Because once you actually do that, right? So let's say that you decide I've got $2,000 on hand more than I, than I need. And then you use that $2,000 to, you know, maybe pay off a different loan or, uh, you know, pay off some credit card debt. I mean, once you do that, you can't get that money back, right? So you, you have to be pretty confident that you're not going to need or you don't foresee a need uh, to have that fund, those funds for, for any other purpose, right? So, and that also highlights the need to, to have an emergency fund, even for students, right? So that comes up quite frequently. I mean, you know, I have students that, that reach out and say, well, I've, I've exhausted my financial aid award and I had an unexpected dental emergency. Um, can I get more student loans? And in the and the answer is no, right? You can only get up to the cost of attendance. So, you know, having an emergency fund is, is very valuable as well, right? You, you know, that's, you can't predict when those are going to happen. So if you want to stash a little bit of that student loan money, that's not costing you any interest right now uh, to use as the base for your emergency fund. I think that's perfectly reasonable as well. Along those lines, if someone's listening to this and they have a budget and they're realizing, shoot, I might've taken more money than I need is there a way that they can return that money from their financial aid award? Absolutely. Yeah, and this is, this is a, one of those kind of little known factoids of, of your student loans is you always have 120 days from the time you receive your student loans to return them, right? So I do find that, you know, probably roughly from the surveys I've done somewhere between 15 and 25% of students make payments towards their federal student loans while they're in school. And usually that money is coming from their student loans, right? So that's, that's usually not a great, great way to use that money is to take one loan and pay off the interest from another loan. So a better move is if you find that you have extra in your budget or you want to make payments to your interest on your student loans, you're better off actually returning the funds that you have received in excess of what you need, right? Because if you return the funds, you're actually returning the principal. And the interest that you accrue is based on the principal that you borrow. So if you can reduce the principal, you'll reduce the interest that accrues long-term and you'll actually make a bigger dent in the amount that you have to manage and the total that you'll pay back over time if you actually return the funds in that 120-day window versus just paying the interest. 
Tony, what I find is the cost of attendance at the veterinary colleges, the cost of attendance that the veterinary schools set, and that that's what dictates how much students can borrow, is artificially high. I find that a lot of students can actually live under that cost of attendance, the cost of the tuition, plus books, plus room, board, food, um, things like that. It's actually too high. And so I find that most students can actually return that money um, and end up paying less in the long run and then also you know let have less principal but i use your line quite a bit when i'm talking to students it's always easier to handle less debt than more debt so i i get that you know interest rates are at all-time low zero percent the cares act but just like tony said that interest rate is going to go back up and that's real money that we as veterinarians are going to have to pay back it's always easier to handle less debt than more yeah, absolutely, and and I think that um, again, it, it really comes back to that to that budget. And I would I would agree that I think that uh, the amount that the schools offer you uh, is is more than you that that most students usually need, right? And I, I would say that um, I think you know the average living expenses, the amount that we're talking about here, because you, you you know it's hard to influence the tuition unless you're receiving some scholarships or you, you have some other arrangement that that helps you to uh, reduce your overall tuition, but the living expense is the amount that you're actually able to affect. And the schools on average offer you something along the lines of somewhere between 18 and $20,000 per year uh, to live off of uh, while you're a veterinary student. I find that most students tell me that their average budget is something, um, you know, a thousand to $1,500 per month, right? Which is, which is significantly less than that that $20,000 per year that you're offered. So, you know, there is some wiggle room there, right? There's some, you're probably offered more than you need. I mean, you don't have to try to get it down to the exact penny. Um, you want to give yourself a little bit of buffer, but there's there's probably a couple thousand dollars per year there where you, you could potentially return those amounts, which would reduce um, your overall burden by eight to $10,000 plus the interest that would, would accrue from that, right? So again, it all comes back to that plan, your budget, knowing how much it costs you to live, how much you receive in student loans, and then how much you can potentially return during that 120-day window. You mentioned two things that I want to touch on. One, when you say you do want to leave yourself a little bit of buffer, what would you? What does that buffer look like to you? What would be an example of that? Yeah, so the you know th that's where the emergency fund comes in, right? So uh, you know typically the measure that is used for emergency funds is three to six months of expenses. Right. So as a student, again, if you have a budget, you'll know what three to six months of your expenses look like. Um, but, you know, to me, I, you know, usually I try to just, you know, shoot for a thousand dollars, right? Shoot to have at least a thousand dollars in some kind of account that, um, it, it, that is, you don't have readily have access to, but is really only for emergencies, right? So if that dental emergency pops up or you have to fly home or drive home unexpectedly because a family member is sick or one of the, you know, one-eyed or three-legged legged animals that all of the veterinary students are housing ends up in the emergency room, you know, are you going to be able to cover that expense even with your student discount without having to pull out the credit card, right? So figure out what that number is for you and you can use your student loans for that emergency fund. There's nothing wrong with that because it's going to be a lot cheaper to use that than it is to use a credit card. Okay, that was going to be my next question. So when you said you want to borrow not too much, but there's leave yourself a little buffer, you look at that little buffer. So maybe you want to over borrow from your budget, maybe a thousand dollars is your suggestion. Yeah. I mean, that's your target, 
right? And not not right. every semester, right? I mean, you want to have a an emergency fund that is sufficient to cover what you think a potential emergency might cost you and and work towards that. It doesn't have to be all at once, but if you want to do it all at once, you know, you can do that if you have that kind of room uh, or you can kind of chunk it, right? I mean, you get disbursements every semester. So if you want to, you know, do a couple hundred bucks this semester and a couple hundred bucks next semester and kind of work up the emergency, now that leaves you at risk if that emergency happens in the middle before you have your emergency fund built up then you know you may not have enough right so it, it's a balance right there is no you know again if they're emergencies we can't predict when they're going to happen so you know obviously you want to be as prepared as you can um but you know reality sometimes gets in the way of that absolutely what resources are available for veterinary students to help them make sense of all this information yeah, so I, I, for student loans specifically, studentaid.gov, that is the first place to start in terms of looking for the current uh, pandemic relief status, right? So they've done a really good job of, of laying out, a free, they have a frequently asked questions thing there that's for those who are borrowing, um, applying for financial aid, and then for those of us who are in repayment, and it, it is really quite good. I've, I've been impressed with the uh, their ability to stay on top of uh, that information and answer a lot of the questions that that get asked quite frequently. Um, I would say the Venn Foundation Student Debt Center and uh, in the, in the blog posts and the podcasts we've been doing here, as well as the um, as well as Drip.Vet. Right, so that's a personal financial success course that's freely available for students. Right, so it kind of gives you that uh, boost to your financial knowledge that many veterinary students, um, you know, kind of early on in that in that financial education. This is a way to really supplement um, all of this stuff around finances, of which student debt is only one small part of. Yeah, thanks for that, Tony. And uh, personal financial success is a collaboration between Drip.Vet, VIN, and the VIN Foundation. Again, totally free for veterinary students, and it's available at drip.vet forward slash VIN, V-I-N. Um, and I just want to highlight that we talk about all of these concepts that Tony um, and myself have been talking about particularly around emergency funds, budgeting. And so if those, if that's news to you, if you have questions associated about the, the hows, the, the what's, the, the details on those things, that's exactly what we cover over in personal financial success. I mean, it's a short amount of material that you receive every other day, just about six to eight minutes. But over a long period of time, as in over your entire veterinary school career, it adds up to a lot of knowledge um, that you can take home on personal finance, student loans, emergency funds, budgeting, et cetera. Yeah, and, and what I like about it too is, you know, it's really easy to get uh, hyper-focused on the student debt piece, right? Because that seems to be what causes the most anxiety and rightfully so for most of us, this is this is the biggest expense we've taken on to, to date in our career. Uh, but there's so many other things that you can focus on and can learn about when it comes to personal financial success um, and expanding the knowledge on those things that you can do now while you're even in school and beyond uh, that can improve your overall uh, financial wellness that doesn't involve student debt uh, can, can pay some huge dividends in the long run. With everything we've discussed, it is possible uh, that this will probably change, <laughs> that the dates will might shift, that information might shift. Where would you both suggest that students keep a lookout for updates? Ooh, yeah, so I, I think I'm going to kind of go back to those those same resources that I just 
um, mentioned. Um, in my own personal view, again, and this, and this is pure speculation, right? So the Congress is kind of trying to come up with a new deal. Uh, to my knowledge, there isn't a whole lot um, in the way of student loan relief in that deal because it's already kind of in place. But I do anticipate uh, from the things that I've been reading uh, from the, the statements that have come out from the, you know, the new administration, I anticipate that we're going to see an extended version of the current student loan repayment relief, even beyond that January 31st. Now, I don't know how long that's going to be or if it even will happen, but from, from the things that, that I've read, it, it's, it's potentially reasonable to see that relief extended at least through the academic year. And so maybe May, um, but again, we're going to have to wait and see what, what Congress or the new administration does in terms of that. Um, again, that would be a huge relief for those of, for those students who are borrowing, have a you know, significant student loan balance to have those loans not accrue any additional interest for any length of time uh, coming up here. And then of course, there's always the elephant in the room, the, uh, you know, whether or not they're going to cancel any amount of, of student debt as well. And that's, that's some, I'm not counting on that, um, but we'll, we'll see how that unfolds. But um, you just have to stay tuned. Uh, keep looking at those resources that we outlined earlier for updates on that. As soon as we have some, some actual concrete information to share, then, then, we'll, then we'll make sure that we get that information to you. We certainly let folks know over in Personal Financial Success as soon as the information is published and we highlight what that exactly means for veterinary students. Um, and, and, you know, this information does kind of come um, trickled out as, as new developments happen with the COVID pandemic, with the new Congress, uh, with the new administration, um, et cetera. But just to kind of, um, you know, summarize what Tony is saying there, this only deals with federally owned student loans. And so this is a really good time to draw a distinction between federal student loans and those that are privately held and or uh, reconsolidation or consolidation or refinanced student loans. And so if you are considering consolidation, uh, now's not the time to do it because you're getting a much better deal on the federal side. Is there any other information you think veterinary students with student loans need to know? Um, I, I would say that, you know, the more you can be an active participant in, in your borrowing, budgeting, understanding your needs, uh, that's going to go a long way, right? And I know that, you know, veterinary school is overwhelming. You've got a lot on your plate, a lot of tests, a lot of material to cover. Um, but, you know, this, these are, these are, you know, these are things that if you take a little bit of time to review your financial aid awards, if you use some of the tools that are available at the Vidden Foundation Student Debt Center, particularly the My Student Loans tool, as well as the in-school loan estimator, you can set yourself up for repayment success by knowing how much you need to borrow for the remainder of your education, how much that's going to cost you, and then kind of game planning what repayment looks like. That can then translate to action steps that you can take between now and when you graduate to set yourself up uh, for repayment success and maybe take advantage of some other opportunities that will improve your overall personal financial wellness. So starting with the Vin Foundation Student Debt Center and just getting familiar with your current student debt and what that's going to be when you graduate is a great, great first step. And you can do that within minutes um, using the tools that are available on the Vin Foundation Student Debt Center. Tony, when I talk to students, I find that students kind of fall in two really large categories. One, um, I call it the, the head in the sand approach, you know, back to the ostrich side of things. And so 
Um, they stick, some students stick their head in the sand. They ignore that the student loan thing is happening. They fill out their FASMA. They, they spend the money and just pretend that they'll take care of it all later. Um, and then I, and that obviously Tony and I both deal with those students or those veterinarians um, that have a very rude awakening earlier in their, earlier in their career. And Tony and I, it keeps, I don't know about you, Tony, but it keeps me up at night um, for those veterinarians that, that don't realize that this, this all is coming. The second large group of veterinarian, veterinary students that I deal with um, are, do pay attention as Tony's saying, um, they, but they also feel overwhelmed as well. And because it seems like there's a massive amount of information out there. Um, my, I will back up what Tony says and, and say, taking the steps, trying to put your hand, your arms around it, trying to understand what's going on is all you need to do it right now. You don't realize that you're getting the information that you need. And just by listening to this podcast, I know that those students are the ones that are paying attention, that are getting the information that you need. But as you work towards graduation and as it as you start your, your early career, it will all come into focus. You're doing everything that you need to do right now um, by doing the things that Tony's talking about. Get a budget, get a plan, understand um, the, the implications you know, on, your, on your future career and uh, keep working one step at a time. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I do find that I would say that I would agree with that, the two major groups. And I would say that the, the head in the sand group too is also, I quite often hear, well, can I just, can I just pay somebody to do this for me after? And, you know, probably not. Right. I mean, this, this stuff is, is really complicated and the, the advice that you tend to find out there can be quite variable if you, you know, depending on where you go. Uh, so you're going to have to be, you know, at least uh, knowledgeable enough uh, to understand the impacts uh, of, of changes to your own particular situation, as well as be able to evaluate some of the advice that you will get after you graduate, right? So, you know, that's that to me is one of the things that does keep me up at night is, you know, it are you know is is the veterinarian's ability to evaluate the advice that they're receiving, depending on where they're receiving it from, and the knowledge base of that particular person providing it, right? So you have to, you know, just like, just like when you get into veterinary practice, right? You're not going to be able to do everything in the veterinary practice, but you're going to have to know enough about what's going on to be able to evaluate if the people that, sh- that are doing those things for you are actually doing a good job, right? So same applies to your student debt, right? So you're going to have to know enough about this stuff. And again, it is personally affecting you, right? This is your student debt because these are your finances, right? So, it, you know, there should be some significant incentive there for you to learn about uh, some of this stuff so you can improve upon your overall financial wellness by by knowing those things that, that are going to help you versus those things that might be less than helpful. Wonderful. Thank you both so much. Uh, I will say this again, every link that you guys have mentioned for our listeners, they will be at our episode notes along with the bio of Dr. Bartels and Dr. Rosa. So please take a look at those episode notes. Thank you both, Tony and Lance. I really appreciate your time and hopefully this has been helpful to veterinary students. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, thanks, Jordan. Thanks, Lance. And and look forward to, to doing more of these in the future. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Veterinary Pulse. Please check the episode notes for additional information referenced in the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow, subscribe, and share review. We welcome feedback and hope you will tune in again. You can find out more about the VIN Foundation through our website, vinfoundation.org, and our social media channels. 
Thank you for being here. Be well.